Hey, Victory Family, this podcast is straight from our 2019 Ironman Men's Conference. So, there's so much great material here, so don't miss an opportunity to take some notes or listen to it a few times. Well, here we go. Our theme for this year's conference is the fight of our lives. And as I was thinking about the concept of the fight of our lives, that we we need to recognize, all of us would recognize this fact that um, battles are coming at us from a lot of different angles, a lot of different things trying to attack our lives. They're coming on a lot of different fronts. And I was kind of thinking of it in terms of, you know, a good Star Wars movie, right? Remember uh, the Star Wars movie, you're in your X-Wing fighter jet, you're flying along trying to position yourself to swoop in and destroy the Death Star. But all around you are these enemy TIE fighters, and they're coming at you from every direction. And sometimes that's the way life feels. It feels like we've got battles on every front that are trying to get to us. We've got relational battles that we're dealing with, right? Uh, It seems like relationships are at at all time uh, struggles, and and not just in our marriage, but in the workplace and, and with our children and all kinds of relational issues that we face. We're facing financial battles on all fronts, you know, as, as this world tries to pressure us into their mold and, and, and what the world values. And so oftentimes we find ourselves with this struggle of wanting stuff because the world wants stuff, right? So we got this battle going on. Sometimes we face emotional battles in our life. Many, many guys are struggling with anger or fear or discouragement, lust, all kinds of emotional things that are going on and we're facing these battles are coming at us in all kinds of directions. And obviously we all face this very thing called spiritual battle, right? There, there is a very real spiritual world, a spiritual battle that each and every one of us is facing each and every day. The apostle Paul, he told us in Ephesians chapter six that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, the spiritual rulers of darkness in the heavenly realms. This is a very real spiritual battle. There are battles on every side, and all of them are trying to take us out and to steal the very life of God that he has prepared for us to live. God's got a very real, rich, exciting, vibrant life. But we're facing battles. This really is the fight of our lives. It's the fight for the, the plan and the purpose that God has for our life. And I hope last night you, you, you got a picture of that. I, I hope last night you, you began to, to see that God has more in mind for you. As a pastor, I sometimes I just I feel so, so bad for guys because I just think sometimes we we just think so short. <laughs> Of, of the real plan that God has for our lives. And we're, we're, we're sacrificing a, a much greater thing that God has for us because we don't fully understand the potential that our lives carry as men of God. One of the greatest battles I think that we often overlook, however, is the battle that takes place within ourselves. It's the battle that I'm calling the fight for self-leadership. Self-leadership. It manifests itself in our ability to daily lead ourselves to the decisions, behaviors that produce a winning life. Every day we're given the opportunity to make decisions, to determine our behaviors that are leading our life. It's the one that's taking place within our own personal space. And it identifies our disciplines, our habits, and our character. And as you learned last night, character is all important, right? Because it's not what you do in life, it's who you're becoming. It's who you are. Because what you do flows out of really who you are. And so it's not about what you're doing, it's what you're becoming. So this morning as we begin this this talk, I want, I want to give you what is 
probably a rather humbling and somewhat discouraging realization, even about myself. Are you ready? I have participated in every bad decision I have ever made. I have. I have personally participated in every bad decision I have ever made. No matter what area that bad decision was made in, whether it was made in my marriage in that area, whether it was a financial decision that I made that was a bad decision, whether it was business, whether it was personal, the common denominator in every bad decision I've ever made is me. But here's the really good news for me today. The good news is I'm not alone. <laughs> because the same thing is true of you. You have personally participated in every bad decision you have ever made. So ultimately, the battle really comes down to self-leadership. It comes down to how we are leading ourselves. And so today, what I want to talk to you about, I want to give you some some keys to exceptional self-leadership. Now, I really think it's important that you understand that as I share these principles with you today, that the principles that I'm sharing with you are, are principles that I have yet to master. I'm still working on them. I'm still a work in progress, right? I don't have this all perfected. And so I, I don't want you to receive these truths today in a, in a condemning way. Right? I don't want these to make you feel bad about yourself. What I want them to do is I want them to encourage you, to help you to see that God really does have more for you, but you have an important and significant role to play in bringing about that person that God wants you to be. Right? And so I'm working on these things. I'm constantly, you know, 35 years of ministry here at Victory Church, and I know, I've still got a lot of area to grow. I've still got a lot to, to learn and, and develop in my own life. And so I want to I just give you three reasons today why self-leadership is so important. Three reasons why self-leadership is so important. Then we're going to get to the keys of exceptional self-leadership. Why is self-leadership so important? Number one. Because you won't be a leader worth following if you don't lead yourself well. You won't be a leader worth following if you don't lead yourself well. It's interesting, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 22, one of the teachers of the law asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? You should know this. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this. That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you cannot truly love your neighbor unless you first love yourself. And I think that's one of the reasons why we have such a difficult time loving other people because ultimately when it gets right down to it, we don't really love ourselves. There are a lot of guys that don't even like themselves because they know themselves. And who knows you better than you, right? So sometimes we loathe our own existence and so it's hard for us to love other people because we don't really love ourselves. And in that same concept... It's impossible for us to truly lead others well if we're not leading ourselves well, right? Now, I know the first objection. The first objection is always this. Well, I'm not a leader. And that is a lie. That's not true. Every one of us in this room is a leader. Because leadership really is nothing more than influence, right? And all of us influence someone, Right? And as Christian men, having come to grace in Jesus Christ, the moment you became a follower of Christ, you automatically became a leader because God has called you to influence your world. So every one of us has been called a leader. And so if we're going to truly lead others well, we've got to lead ourselves well as men of God. It's so important because if you want people to follow you, you've got to be working 
on yourself. We all know leaders who are leading, but they are not the kind of leader you really want to follow. Right? We've all served under leaders who were a leader in title. Maybe it was boss or authority. But they didn't lead in a way that you wanted to follow. They didn't lead with character. They didn't lead with good relational skills. They didn't lead in a way that you would say, boy, I want to be like them. They had a title, but you really didn't want to follow them. Maybe you had to, right? But you didn't really want to. Think about King David called to serve King Saul. Would King Saul be a guy you'd want to follow? Dude's trying to take him out. But David refused to speak against or attack the leader that was over him, even though he wasn't one that David really wanted to follow. Sometimes we learn best from people that don't do it right. You can always learn from someone, right? But that's not the kind of leaders we want to be. And the first experience that we have in this is often in our homes. Because you see, as godly men, we're called to lead in our home. So here's, here's the question, right? Are you the kind of leader in your home that your kids want to follow? Are you that kind of leader in your home that your kids say, nah, I just want, I want to be like my dad? Because you see, it's not what you say, it's who you are. Because even though you may say this, and your theme may be, don't do what I say, or don't do what I do, do what I say. But ultimately, are you becoming the kind of leader your kids want to follow? Are you the kind of leader that your wife lovingly will come under your leadership? Or she resist because you're not the kind of leader she's wanting to follow. Come on, that's a lot better than you're responding, but that's okay, right? Uh, this just might be a hard pill to swallow just a little bit, right? You know, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. How many of us in this room could, could actually say that? Follow me. Do what I do. Just follow my life, follow my pattern, my example, and my example will take you toward Jesus. How many of you could say to your children, follow me, do what I do, and my life, the example that I set, will help lead you to Jesus? Right? And that's where it oftentimes comes out. You see, exceptional self-leadership is the key, number two, Exceptional self-leadership is the key to sustained influence. We rarely open up our lives very long to people we don't respect. We look for people that we trust, that we believe in, that have set an example for us. And if you want to have continued influence in the lives of people, then you've got to be exceptional. You've got to be a person that people trust. That they look at you and they see the example of your life and they, they want to em, emulate that. They want to see that. Consistency is the key to continuing influence. And the third reason we, we, we need to be self-leaders is exceptional self-leadership is the key to sustained performance. Tom talked a little bit about this last night. We all know people who have burned out or flamed out too soon. They either ended their ministry too soon, they ended their marriage too soon, they were fired too soon. And the simple fact is, anytime you burn out or flame out, the bottom line is typically poor self-leadership. And we don't want to fizzle out. We as men, we don't want to lose our marriages. 
We don't want to lose our ministries. We want to be the best workers that our business has to offer, right? And so uh, exceptional self-leadership is the key to sustained performance in our life. Great leaders last because they lead themselves well. So we see that self-leadership is our primary responsibility, and it's often our greatest fight. We have to fight every day to be exceptional in leading ourselves well. Okay? So with that thought in mind, let me give you three keys to exceptional self-leadership. Three keys to exceptional self-leadership. Number one, ready? I will not lie to myself when the truth, even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Listen to that again. I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. You see, our culture tells us that about the worst thing that could happen is that we would feel bad about ourselves, right? That's what culture says. Don't, don't feel bad about that, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's okay, right? But you know, that, that's not what the Bible says. And sure, we, we don't want to go around all the time moping and doping and feeling bad about ourselves, about our lives. But in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, Paul, Paul said it this way, there is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, right? To salvation. But there is a, God, or a worldly sorrow that leads to death. So it all depends on how you feel badly about the, the truth that's in your life, right? Does it just make me feel bad about myself? So I go around all the time just, oh, you know, I'm the worst, I'm a worm, I'm, just, I'm lousy, I'm, I'm a loser. Or is it I've, I've hurt the heart of God and I know he's got something different for me. I've missed the mark, yes, but... This isn't the end of the story. I choose to accept responsibility for what I have done wrong, for the bad that I've done. I accept the responsibility, and I choose to surrender it to God so that I can get back on top and begin to move again in the direction that God has for me. Remember, there is a purpose for your pain. Didn't we learn this a couple weeks ago? What's the purpose for pain? It identifies that something is wrong in my life. Okay? The brokenness, the the hurt, it reveals there's something going on. See, the worst thing that can happen is not that you feel bad about the bad things in your life. The worst thing that can happen is to hold on to something bad about yourself because you're not willing to acknowledge that there is something bad about yourself. That's the worst thing, is just to ignore it. Say, well, that's, I'm not all that bad, right? That's not that big of a deal. See, exceptional self-leadership requires brutal honesty with ourselves. And if we can't be honest with ourselves, we're never going to move past the things that hold us back. The easiest person to deceive is often the guy in the mirror. Right? We are the best salesmen to ourselves. Because we look in the mirror and we say things like, I'm okay. I can handle this by myself. It's not that big of a deal. No one else knows, so who's it really hurting? Can I just say, if it's hurting you, it's hurting everyone around you. There is no better salesman. I already offended him. Either that or I'm preaching his message. He's going to be in the second. He's got to get different notes. I don't know. 
right? But there's no better salesman to ourselves than ourselves. And we can often choose to ignore or just reject truth because we don't want to deal with the pain of acknowledging the truth. See, when it comes to brutal honesty, brutal honesty, we must understand these three things. Number one, this is never comfortable. Never comfortable. Number two, it's often very painful. There was one particular situation in my life that I finally had to address it. I had to be willing to come face to face with the truth about what was going on in my life. And it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And it was probably the most painful thing I've ever encountered in my life. But I also recognized that if I didn't do it, I would never be free. I had to come to truth. I had to be willing to be brutally honest with myself and finally admit I can't handle this on my own. I can't do this by myself. I'm not okay. And even though no one else may know, it's affecting everything around my life. And here's the truth. It may be uncomfortable, it may be painful, but it's absolutely essential if you're ever going to be free. I cannot lie to myself, even if the truth makes me feel bad about myself. You see, you simply cannot lead yourself while you're lying to yourself. Okay? So, the first, the first key is I will not lie to myself, even if the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Number two. I will prioritize what I value most over what I want in the moment. I will value what I want most, what I value most over what I want in the moment. See, this is the fight between immediate gratification and ultimate gratification. Right? We all know this. Here's the kicker. Rarely is what I want in the moment what I want most. Rarely is what I want in the moment what I want most. I want to have a great marriage. I want to honor my wife. But what I want in the moment is to take a peek. It's to look at something I know would not honor her. In the moment, it's right there. But what I want, for, what I want most is not what I want in the moment. So I've got to prioritize what I want most before what I want in the moment. I want to break the cycle of debt, but I want that new toy now. Hello? I got to have it now. You see it. It comes on the commercial or you're, you're walking through Shields. You go, I've got to have that. Someone else got that. I got to have that. And so you're willing to go out and, and put your soul in debt to obtain what you really cannot afford. And it's bringing on a financial battle and a financial struggle. And oftentimes they, they tell us today that one of the primary arguments that couples have is over money. But because you have not identified what you want most, you become prey to the moment. I want to know God better. I know this is true of every guy in this room. I want to know God better. But when I come home from work, I just want to chillax for a while. And we end up chillaxing for hours. And we never invest in the things that's going to have, help us have a better relationship with God. Right? But if I'm going to be an ex exceptional self-leader of my life, I've got to value what I want most over what I want in the moment. If I don't do that, I will, I will become easy prey. See, if I'm going to lead myself toward what I value most, I cannot do that until I discover what I value most. See, and here's the truth. Most people, very few, have ever stopped to take the time to discover and to declare what they want most. 
You, you've never identified what you really value. You've never written it down. You've never clarified it. You've never said, this is really what I want most. So because you don't know what you want most, you become easy prey in the moment. Right? <laughs> you see, we, we have no problem identifying what we want in the moment. Because <laughs> it's right in front of us. Right? How many, how many of you ever go shopping for something, and just before you buy it, you stop and you go, do I really need this? Is this really something that's going to add value to my life and my family? No, we just want it. We see it. We want it. We're not valuing what we want most. See, here's, here's just a couple of examples. You, you've got to identify what you want most. It, it's like the guy who would give up a promotion or an increase in income because they value time with family more. How many people have we seen sacrifice their family for a promotion or for increased income, even though it means I've got to work more hours? And so the hours that they're working keeps them away from their marriage and their family, and they end up probably sacrificing their family because they'd never identified that their family was more important to them than their income. I've known people who are connected to a local church, and, and I'm like Tom. I love God, and I love the local church, and every good thing that's ever happened in my life has happened because of the local church. Jesus died for the local church. And the simple fact is, I've seen people leave a local church and go to another community because there was a promotion available to them. There was an increased income, even though there was no spiritual family there that they could connect that was like the one they had here. And they went after the promotion and they lost their family because they had no spiritual community to operate within because they didn't value family and spiritual family over money there are more th- some things more important than money some people value health over dessert. Right? Come on now. Can we just be honest? Where, where, where's Charles at? Is Charles out there somewhere? He's making coffees. Oh, for the breaks. Okay. Yeah, Charles used to weigh what? How much did you used to weigh? 330 pounds. How much do you weigh now? 250. So you've lost 80 pounds. Yeah, come on, come on. Now, now, why was that? Did you choose or did you decide that health was maybe more important than the lifestyle you were living? And so you made some changes. You decided to lead yourself in a way that would create the possibility for you to improve your health. Right? Bill? How long have you been cigarette-free? 13, 13 months for Bill. Why? Why, Bill? Why did you give up smoking? I wanted to, I wanted to quit. You weren't in good health. Bill decided to do something about it. So he decided, I'm going to quit this thing. You see, it took... Excellent self-leadership to give up something he wanted in the moment for something that he wanted more. If you're going to lead yourself with excellence, you've got to be willing to know what you value most and value it more than what you want in the moment. So here's a question. 
How do you discover what you value most? Let me give you one thing you can do. Think backwards. Think backwards. Let's go to the end of your life. Let's look back on your life and ask yourself the question. At the end of my life, what are the things that I'm going to value the most at the end of my life? Or at your funeral. There's a good one. At your funeral, what are the things that you're going to want the people who are dearest to you? What are you going to want to hear them say about you? Because I promise you, they're not going to be talking about the money you made. Right? Uh, they're not going to be talking about all your great accomplishments. They're, they're going to try to put the best spin on your life, but everybody can read through that. Right? I mean, I've done some funerals lately, and it's like, really? Come on. We know who this guy really was. And they're going to try to put the But what is it that you really would value people saying about you? And really, it comes down to relationships. It comes down to... I want, I want people to, I want my wife to say that I was uh, an awesome husband. I want my kids to say I was an awesome father, that they, that they, they really do miss me, <laughs> right? The earlier that you discover your values, the better. Can I speak to you young guys? Can I speak to you guys? The earlier you discover what you value most, the better. Write it out now. It'll save you a lot of heartache later on in your life. Right? Things like, I want to be pure when I enter marriage. Because if you don't value that most, you become easy prey in the moment. Because she'd be looking fine. And your hormones, your hormones are going to kick in. Devil's going to be right there urging you along. But if you haven't decided what you value most, you become easy prey in the moment. Right? You see, and the simple fact is for some, it almost becomes too late. Because they never determine what they valued most soon enough. So while you have time now, determine what you value most. Identify it. Write it out if you have to. Make it your declaration if you have to so that you can continually be reminding yourself what you value most. Why do we need to discover what we value most? Because exceptional leaders lead toward values not instant gratification. Right? So, what's the first one? I will not lie to myself, even if the truth makes me feel bad about myself. And number two, I will prioritize what I value most for what I want in the moment. And here's number three. You ready? Exceptional self-leadership. I will not attempt to lead myself by myself. I will not attempt to lead myself by myself. Andy Stanley, who pastors North Point Community Church in Atlanta, Georgia, I've heard him speak several times, and almost every time he speaks, he makes this one statement. This is, this is profound. Listen to what he says. Our friends determine the direction and the quality of our lives. Our friends determine the direction and the quality of our lives. Our friends determine the direction and the quality of our lives. You see, we were intended to do life in community. So if I'm going to lead myself well, I need to surround myself with a group of people. Now listen to this, because this is so important. I need to surround myself with a group of people who don't just share my interests, but who share my values. I need to surround myself with people who don't just, are not, not 
connected to me because of my interests, but I'm connected to them because of my values. <laughs> this is so important. See, culture suggests to us that we find friends who share our interests. But exceptional self-leadership requires that we find a community of people who share our values. So what do you value most? We want to hang out with people who are leading themselves in the direction that we want to lead ourselves. Hello? So is it possible that we could lose some friends? Absolutely. You could lose your friends because they may not, they may share your interests, but they may not share your values. Right? And if that's possible, then we need to go back to point number one and point number two. I will not lie to myself, even if the truth makes me feel bad about myself. I need to be brutally honest with the relationships and realize I'm not influencing them. They're influencing me. And if I can't stand for Christ when I'm in their presence, then I need to separate myself from them and get around some people who will help elevate me to where God wants me to be. Right? And number two says, I, I prioritize what I value most for what I want in the moment. So if what I want in the moment is just someone to hang out with, but what I value most is people who are going to help elevate me in the things of God, then I'm going to be willing to be alone before I'm willing to compromise and put myself in a position where I know it's not going to be good for me in the call of God that he has on my life. We need people around us who don't just share our interests but who share our values, who are moving in that direction. I can see my 35 minutes is up, but I'm not done. Okay? I just got one more thing I want to share about because I think this is so important. I I think we need to take this one step further. All right? It is my perspective that at times we need an even deeper relationship with an AP What is an AP? An accountability partner. We need somebody in our lives who knows us at the deepest level and can help keep our lives on track. Who's your AP? Who's your accountability partner? Who do you have in your world that is helping you? To live the life that God intended for you to live. Someone who doesn't just share your interests, but shares your values. Is wanting to help you experience the very best that God has in mind for you. Now, we know this person needs to be able to be trusted. Because I'm going to share with them the deepest, darkest secrets of my heart. The most painful things that I'm experiencing. I'm going to have to communicate those. Because if I don't communicate them, I'm not going to be free. And you walk around in a silent tomb, trying to be alive, but you're dead on the inside because you can't share with anybody. You've got to find somebody that you can share that with who can help you, who can encourage you, who can hold you accountable. They need to be trusted. And so if someone comes to you and says, well, would you be my accountability partner? And and, and you agree to it. You need to be a trusted individual. They need to be able to confide in you their deepest hurts, their deepest wounds, their deepest secrets, and know that you're there to care for them. You know, the Bible says love covers. Love covers. Because I love you, there isn't anything that you would ever share with me that I will expose to the world. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to help you. I grew up in a denomination where you didn't dare share your deepest, darkest secrets. Because the moment you did, especially as a pastor, you just didn't share that kind of stuff. Because the moment that got out that you had that issue, you were done. There wasn't anybody to help you. 
Yeah, they just cut you off. You're gone. So we grew up with this fear that if anybody really knew what was going on on the inside of me, I'm history. The church won't want me. Nobody will love me anymore. I'm done. We want to eliminate that. We want, we want a safe place where we can share our deepest, darkest hurts and secrets and know that we're among friends. And at least we need one friend in our life who we can share that with, who can encourage us and hold us accountable. They need to be willing to ask us the tough questions. And, and can, I, can I just say this? I, I just don't think your wife needs to be your accountability partner. Right? I mean, I, I love my wife. You know, but, but sometimes we just need another brother. A brother. Not a sister. You don't want another sister who's your accountability. No, you want a brother. Right? That you can have on your team. Right? To share those hurts with they need to be willing to ask you tough questions. Tough questions like, who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? You see, uh, is KD going to end up in New York? Or Kawhi Leonard in, with the Clippers? I mean, these are really life-altering questions, right? No, we know that. You don't need someone who just shares your interests. You want someone who shares your values. So the tough questions are questions like this. How's your devotional life? What have you read in the word of God lately? What has God been speaking to you? When was the last time any guy ever asked another guy, what has God been speaking to you lately? Here's one. What scripture have you memorized in the last month? I mean, this guy's up here rattling off scripture from memory, just one right after the other. And there were scriptures that he was rattling off that everyone in this room should know, but some of you just, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. What, what scriptures are you putting into your life on a regular basis? The tough questions, those, those tough spiritual questions, Right? Who are you praying for and attempting to reach for Jesus? If evangelism is our call, why don't we hold one another accountable for reaching people for Jesus? No, we just show up on Sunday and hope somebody walks through the door. And every Sunday, our pastor gets up and says, come on, let's invite somebody to come to church. But next Sunday shows up, nobody shows up with a guest. When was the last time we encouraged somebody? Not the pastor. You. Encouraged. Who have you been praying for and believing that you could reach for Jesus? Again, I don't want this to be condemning. I want it to be encouraging. I want it it to challenge us today. Like Tom said, this, this is not nursery. We are men of God. We need to be able to handle strong meat. And there is no stronger meat than the meat of evangelism. We can change the world from here. We can. Not me can, we can. Then there there are relational questions we need to be asking. Like how about this? How are you demonstrating Jesus' love towards your wife? When was the last time someone got in your business and said, how are you demonstrating the love of Jesus to your wife? (laughs) How are you investing time and emotional energy toward your children? When was the last time you prayed for your children? When was the last time you prayed with your children? I I could never do that. Well, you need to. (laughs) Get over your bad self. Grow up as a man of God. Learn how to pray. Go into your child's bedroom. Kneel down beside their bed and say, Sweetheart, young man, I'm going to pray for you tonight. 
And it's not, it's not the quality of your prayer. It's the sincerity of your prayer. If all you do is lay your hand on them and say, God, I pray your blessing upon their life. Pray the Father's blessing on your children. Pray that they prosper. Pray that God's grace and favor would rest upon them all the days of their life. Pray that they would never love the things of the world, but would love the things of God. Like Gina said on Sunday, pray for their future spouses, that they be men and women who are called to serve the purpose of God to their generation. I don't want my kids just to get married. I want them to marry someone who's going to help them fulfill God's plan and purpose and destiny for their life. Are you keeping your thoughts and actions pure? There's a great question. Are you looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at? Seventy percent of the men in this room struggle with pornography. The other thirty percent are lying. It is the number one attack of Satan against the church of men. And guys, I'm here to tell you because I know you won't be alone. got to have somebody on your team, someone who shares your values and will take the time to ask you the tough questions. Are you harboring any offense toward anybody? Right? Come on, let's deal with these. Here's some financial questions. Are you managing God's resources wisely? Right? There's There's a great question. How about this one? Are you putting God's kingdom first by being a tither? Why don't we we go there? Right? Why don't we honor God with everything? And we know that tithing, giving God the first portion, is honoring Him. It's putting Him first in our life in every area. Here's a question for you Are you guarding your heart against covetousness? I just want things. I want this. He's got that. I want that. I, you know. And you know the number one way to defeat covetousness in your life? Become a tither. Put God first. Let me give you probably what is one of the most important questions you could ever ask. Are you ready? Are you lying about any of the questions you've, I've just asked you? Are you lying? about any of the questions I just asked you. Because we need to get brutally honest. Right? Exceptional leadership demands that you don't lead yourself by yourself. We need others. Don't just share our interests, but they share our values. In closing, I'm only... 45 or 15 minutes over. Thank you, Jesus. Without strong self-leadership, you won't be a leader worth following. It is the key to sustained influence and sustained performance. So make the decisions today. I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. I will prioritize what I value most over what I want in the moment. And I will not attempt to lead myself by myself. Who are your friends? Your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. And more importantly, who's your AP? Who is your accountability partner? Well, that's all we have for you this time. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't stop learning. Don't stop growing. And the best is yet to come.